everybody. Welcome back to the Fleshbot Podcast. I am your host, Colette Calloway. Fleshbot is an adult entertainment and sexuality website. You can find us on Twitter at Fleshbot. We just got verified. What up? Online, www.fleshbot.com. And if you want to read any of me or my awesome coworker stuff, you can click on our bylines. Today, we are here with the awesome D Severe. How's it going? It is going great. We're having an awesome week. We just launched our, our, our actually our first membership site ever, which is pretty funny considering how long we've been around. So I'm really excited. Yeah, because how long have you guys been around? I know it's like 13, 14 years. It's 11? not that long. We basically we started working for somebody else doing their clips for sales stores and doing DVDs for them in 2005, and then we went out on our own with our own company in 2007. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. That is actually like you guys are incredibly popular, so it's amazing that it has been so successful without needing a membership site before now. Well, one of our issues is like between um, my partner Jimmy Broadway and me, we have like a lot of production skills, and I have a lot of post-production skills in in terms of editing and and like DVD authoring and other stuff. When it comes to websites. We're morons, okay? Like, my website knowledge is on our Clips for Sale store. I know how to do the HTML to make the headline a little bigger and make it another color. Mm-hmm. But kind of beyond that, we're morons. So <laughs> it, it was very hard to, and we didn't really have time to get those skills because we were so busy with all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's hard to start out from that where you have to do kind of like a big outlay in the beginning to have someone build a website and we tried with a couple of people and they were kind of flaky and it didn't work out so great. So we kind of felt like rather than put a lot of time and effort into something that could kind of prove to be a a financially losing proposition and a big pain in the ass, uh, we would wait till we really found partners where we can say, yeah, these people really know what the fuck, by the way, can I say fuck? You can say whatever you want. Okay. Uh, we really wanted to, we really wanted to um, have, you know, be sure that we had partners who knew what the fuck they were doing and we could really trust them and say, you know, take our, just, we, just here, take our content, make a fabulous site and have the confidence that they would do that. And honestly, Adult Empire was the first people that we met where we felt like that. Like, they really know what they're doing. They're awesome. You know, they're great to work with. So we, we trust them. Oh, absolutely. Well, because so, that's the thing is you can, you know, you can have a website made for you, but maintaining it is a whole nother, whole exactly. nother issue. Exactly. So, yeah, no, we feel that every, obviously we have a whole tech team. I have no idea either. I used to code MySpace layouts and that's the extent of my previous, yeah. <laughs> previous web knowledge. <laughs> But it looks great. And so for all of our listeners, I will post the link to the new site in our show notes and on our website when we do an article for this, which we will. So that's super awesome. And so how has the initial impact been? Like, how did it go? How was the launch? Did a, like a million people clamor to sign up? Um, I'm not, I think some people clamored to sign up. It did get, it get, got really, you know, like good you know, coverage in the the adult press. So now it's mm-hmm. just a matter of kind of like building. You know, the the adult empire people said it's like usually like it doesn't happen like you launch and a thousand people like sign totally. up. Like it's a really gradual process. And I'm getting, um, I'm getting all kinds of hints from people about kind of how to you know how to build your 
you know, how to build your traffic and all of that, which is going to be my, like my big educational thing for the rest of the year is, is traffic builders. Yeah. Um, but one of our other recent projects was um, Wasteland, which is like a, a fabulous BDSM site that's been around for 20 years. Um, none of their stuff had ever been on DVD. So one of the things we're doing with our DVD line is we started Severe Sex Presents Wasteland and we're, we're taking all of their really cool, kind of arty, fabulous, authentic BDSM material and making DVDs out of it. Cool. Um, so, so, so basically, you know, so, so Colin Roundtree, who runs that, is a real pro at a lot of web stuff. So he's kind of going to take me under his wing and go, this is what you should do to build traffic. And I, I'm going to, like, learn a lot. That's amazing. So that's awesome, awesome. Well, I mean, like I said, it looks awesome. Building traffic is a bitch. Like, at, even at, when you're working in, because you used to be a journalist. So, I, if I got that right. But um, even, like, having to incorporate that into journalism now as part of your job is like, okay, I wrote the article, but now how do we, like, get people to read it? It's it's hard. And yeah. I always... I always tell people who, you know, friends, people I meet who are not involved in the industry that working in adult is just like a 24-7 hustle with self-promotion. Oh, for sure. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, do you feel like you're you're moving a mile a minute all the time? Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's, and it's funny for us because we have a live workspace. We live in our studio mm-hmm. with a poor rescue dog. There's just times when, you know, like a couple of days go by before you know, we go out anywhere except to walk the dogs and it's just kind of like, it's our own little world and it's like workaholic all the time, but I really love what I do. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. So yeah, it can be very convenient, but it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to like get out of your own house. Yes. I find it sometimes hard when I'm working from home to like even put on pants. I'm like, when was the last time I wore clothes? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, no, I feel that. But, uh, how long have you and, your partner Jimmy been together since if you can't from our first date which we do um we've been together since December 10th 1998 awesome so it's been a long time (laughs) that's fantastic though especially being partners at work too I feel like that does indicate such a like strong uh partnership there we just knew from basically this is how we met um this was the point where I had divorced my vanilla husband and moved to LA and I realized like I've had these kinky fantasies all my life it's like I'm gonna go for it like I'm not getting any younger I'm gonna go for it and I'm gonna put myself out there and try to find people to play with and kind of get into the whole scene so I put so I started putting ads in like alt.com etc and then I got like 200 responses because I didn't know at the time that kind of amateur doms who were not like not crazy and fairly nice looking were kind of a rare commodity. Huh. Um, so as I was kind of filtering through all the people who were responding to me, um, I hooked up with Jimmy and kind of we went out on our first date and it was like, you're really hot, you're really kinky, you're smart, you love dogs. And you're also like in the entertainment industry. You're perfect. Okay, my search is over. We're done. So we were pretty much like together ever since. We just like we moved in six months later and we got legally married a year and a half after that. That's so awesome. 
it was really, it was just particularly funny because after I got divorced, I swore up and down and sideways that marriage was evil and I was never going to do it again. And this is like, relationships don't work and fuck it. I'm just going to work a lot and be successful and have dogs. And then I found my soulmate. It was very weird. Well, that's what's funny is it's like, so marriage isn't necessarily evil, but marrying the wrong person is. It's like somebody yes. you're not totally compatible with. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I feel like, too, when you find a good partner, it feels more like like you take on such a different uh, definition for that word, partner. It's like, no, this is my person, you know, who, like, gets through all the shit with me. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. He's, he's, he's my partner in crime and all things, you know? It's, yeah. It's like, That's fantastic. It's really good. That's fantastic. That's good. Especially, I think, people who who are in the public who have had such like successful long long relationships i always like to talk about those because i try to give hope to all of us out there <laughs> that it can happen yes. that it can happen for everybody but that's pretty cool so you've been in la since 1998 then or was it a couple years before that it was a couple of years before that i got i was in new york before that and i was i was mainly doing rock journalism mm -hmm. and it was i think i moved in 1995 okay 1995 gotcha so what are your favorite bands, if you don't mind me asking, since you were involved in rock journalism? Oh, it's so hard to say because <laughs> I, I like things from all eras, so it's really difficult to say. Kind of the, the I was the most active in rock journalism from the late 80s to like the late 90s. Like around 95, I started transitioning over to screenwriting, but I was still like, I was still a report, like a, I still did live reviews for the Hollywood reporter like well into the 2000s okay and then i finally kind of went like okay i don't really want to do this anymore it's oh, like yeah. it's i'm done it's, you know yeah it's, it's rock journalism is an awesome thing but you pretty much do it right you have to listen to like a hundred new things a, a week and go out five nights a week which is like completely awesome if you're in your 20s <laughs> as you start like pushing 40 it's not quite as awesome you're like i'm done so, yeah, <laughs> Like, you know, I'm I'm not, it's like really loud in here and it's really late and I'm tired and I'm not, you know, really enjoying this whole experience and I'm starting to lose my hearing and maybe we should not, we should just, it, it was just, I had kind of gotten to the point where I had done everything that I pretty much wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like I, I got to travel all around America and, you know, like on, on press junkets, you know, I got to write for Rolling Stone. Um, I got to kind of pretty much meet all the people, at, you know, like celebrity people at the time in, in music that I really wanted to meet. And the kind of the next steps were you either would get like a nine to five job as an editor where you had to go to the office mm -hmm. every day or you'd like get a job with MTV or you'd become like a PR person or you'd become an A&R person. Those were like kind of the like if I wanted to go further. Yeah. Those were the things that I didn't really want to do any of that because I didn't really want to work in an office. So it was like, you know, this was awesome, but I want to do something different now. So that's when I started writing screenplays and kind of getting to that part. That's pretty cool. Some of the best advice I think I've heard. I'm still 
pretty young was that like when a, a period of your life or a chapter of your life no longer serves you to just move on to the next one and create another chapter yes. exactly you can have multiple chapters and that can be that's kind of the best way of doing it like if things get stale and your heart's not in it anymore like you should be passionate about what you're doing if you're no longer passionate about what you're doing even if it's once like if something was once your dream and now it's like oh god i have to do this again you know like why ruin it for yourself go right. Find something else that makes you go like, yes, I want to do this so bad. I'm going to go out there and do it and kill it, you know, because that's what life should be like. You know, you should love your job. It it makes me so sad how many people work jobs that they hate because they're just spending so much. They're just spending so much time in their lives just basically wasting it so they can make money. And that's you know that's just no way to live so it it makes me really sad when people do that people seem to have sort of like this guilt both in marriage and in careers where it's like once it's not working anymore they feel like they did something wrong like no this is my career for my life you know like this is my partner for my life and because i don't want to do it anymore i feel stuck i don't want to jump ship you know yeah i think people do but you know, jumping ship can sometimes be like the best thing you ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, even even if, if in the beginning it doesn't turn out so great. Like I'm a big believer in like a lot of times the best things come out of the worst things. Totally. And it doesn't, it takes a while to realize that. Um, so even if it's, even if you do jump ship, and you're kind of floundering and it's like, oh great, I'm in the lifeboat and this kind of sucks. It's like you, you got to keep that's still that was still like the right path, you know? right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like I feel like you're you just have to accept that life has a lot of really difficult times and a lot of great ones. <laughs> yeah. It's just part of it. Yes. But speaking of your career now, when we're talking about the constant hustle, do you feel like yeah. the the adult entertainment, the porn world, is slower paced than it gets its reputation of as being kind of like a party thing? Well, it depends on how you approach it. I mean, I'm in it for, because I love to make movies. It's mm-hmm. kind of like before, like in, in the 2000s, um, Jimmy and I were part of a, a, a mainstream short film collective where we crewed on each other's short films and kind of got them into festivals, etc. And this would be like, you know, we would be working for like a crew of people we would, for free, you know, and I would be getting up at like 6 a.m. so I could go be like the lighting assistant in somebody else's project. And I would still be like, oh my God, we're going to go make a movie. This is so awesome. And that feeling has never left me. It's like one of the things like I've always wanted to do. I love to make movies. Mm-hmm. So that's what the reason why I love porn so much is because A, we have complete control of our projects as long as. The fans like it. We, I can do whatever I want. I can direct all the time as opposed to people in the mainstream who maybe get to direct every three years if they're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's like it's so creative and the people are so fun and so smart. They're like the most demonized, misunderstood people in the world. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, it was funny. Jimmy and I were coming home from a party like a couple of years ago and he kind of said, you know, I finally have the group of friends I've wanted all my life. And that's kind of how I feel too. Like, oh, wow, yeah. I I love the adult industry people we know. Like we have such close buddies in, as performers and other, you know, behind the scenes people. Um, 
it, I mean, a lot of people do party crazy. You don't have to do that if you don't mm-hmm. want to. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of more 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 of a kind of staying focused person. Yeah. In, in those situations, because you know, like I do, kind of approach. You know, like I'm kind of like okay, network mode. Who do I want to talk to? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I I I did plenty of being the crazy party girl when I was in rock journalism believe me (laughs) Um, you know like I could tell you stories but (laughs) I would love to hear those (laughs) yes I have I I I was I was the crazy party girl who did everything including like all the drugs and all the booze and all the crazy stuff and and like I and I had fun that was like a really fun thing to do yeah I'm too for that now I don't anymore it's kind of like I'm, I'm kind of approach this more as like okay I'm a company owner and a director and I should probably like not jump naked into the fountain anymore you know at least you know at yeah. certain events yeah <laughs> well and I mean I think a lot of that too that's that's kind of lost on people who are not super familiar with the adult industry is that because you're constantly promoting yourself now on social media like running websites and stuff like that you can't really live a lifestyle that that like doesn't allow for that. You have to be kind of alert. You have to be working hard. You have to exactly. feel good enough to do it. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it's hard. It's hard work. It inspires me though. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, working on my own stuff, and I'll just be like, want to be lazy, and I'm like, what would a porn star do right now? And then I'm like, a porn star would get this done, get it posted, post it on social media, and then be lazy. <laughs> so. It's it's also I think if you look at the really top girls, excuse me, the top performers, they don't really the, the top girls go to like go to yoga class and 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 CrossFit and they're vegans and they really take care of themselves because all that partying stuff shows on your face. Mm-hmm. You know, it it like it makes a difference. So like the, like the Spiegler girls of the bunch tend to not really be such giant partiers it's the girls who tend to not last very long who are the giant partiers in my experience that makes Um, a lot of sense you know because it's like i mean porn is so like they you see everything so if you don't go to the gym it shows right you know you have a hangover it shows if you're doing like drugs that give your skin kind of a bad, bad kind of tired quality it shows and you know i think that the the people who last longer and who have the stamina to really build a career also have to be promoting themselves and working their website and doing all that stuff and mm-hmm. uh, you you can't you can be like l- crazy to a limited extent very occasionally but you can't make that your lifestyle or or it's not gonna you know the business really isn't the way it was the way right. I hear it was like in the 80s when it really was just like we yeah can do things you know like you can't really do that anymore that much mm-hmm no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even when we're on, you know, our Fleshpot Twitter and stuff, we follow m- most performers, and it really, they're always at the gym. They're always drinking like, like green juice and yes. stuff. It really, it's 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 yep. hard work, and it's constant, just like promotion. Yep. Yeah, that that is that is quite a bit. And I know, um, just from your interviews, that after you were working as a dominatrix, that you, it was easy to kind of combine that with the film collective you were working on right to kind of start producing porn is that how it happened it did happen basically what what weird was we were in the short film group i was getting really frustrated 
with mainstream screenwriting because, okay, here's another, this is what's wrong with mainstream screenwriting. You write a script, eventually you get an agent, um, you get your script optioned and you think, yay, my script is going to be a movie, this is so awesome. And then what happens is the producer makes you rewrite the script literally like 475 times. By that time, it doesn't resemble anything that you started out with mm -hmm. and you hate it. You hate the producer and you hate yourself and you want to throw all three entities off a roof because you're so frustrated. <laughs> and this goes on for years and then something happens with the producer's deal where their backers back out and the whole thing falls apart and you have to start over. So this happened to me four times. Ugh. And so after the fourth time, it was like, you know, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. Just don't. I, I want to make actual movies. I don't want to write scripts and then sit and have to rewrite them and sit in meetings and have them never be movies. Right. Um, so at this point, I also, you know, I was, I was still doing kind of journalism things. And by that time, I had switched over to kind of more trade and technical kind of stuff just to pay the bills. And one of my um, editors and I co-wrote a, a nonfiction book. She was a, it was a kitchen, like a funny kitchen remodeling book that we thought like, hey, this is going to make money. And it didn't make money. And then we were like really having problems with money. And I thought, okay, like I really thought I would just stay a lifestyle person and keep my BDSM thing pure. But we really need the bucks. I'm going to get a part-time job as a pro-dominatrix because we need the bucks. So as it happened, and this is another one of those, the, the best things come out of the worst things kind of deals. Mm -hmm. um, so I started working in this dungeon, and the guy who, was, who owned the dungeon um, had made, was really trying to get into the, the adult movie biz. And he'd made a couple of movies with various producers, like one of which was pretty good, and the other ones were like not very good. And we were like, well, we, we belong to this short film group. You know, we could do this for you. So then we started making movies for him, and by this time, Clips for Sale at this time was also pretty new, so we ran his Clips for Sale stores for two years, and this enabled us to learn, kind of make all the mistakes on someone else's nickel, which was pretty awesome. That's a great gig, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we made, we made like three or four, four movies, like really heavy, kind of heavy, dark BDSM movies for him, and at that point, we went out on, on our own, so that's kind of how that how that happened but I worked as a I worked as a pro dominatrix for about three years um kind of part-time while we were doing yeah while we were doing bleh, I can't talk while we were doing these movies for him so and that's how we got into it and, and then after two years of this we kind of decided that it would be just better for us to do it by ourselves because we knew what we were doing by that time yeah yeah and i know i mean a lot of times you look at a at a porn studio that's very successful like yours is and you're just you kind of just think like wow this is a this is a big studio they're doing great high quality stuff but starting a company like that i mean just finding equipment getting it learning the ropes and being able to produce stuff like that on your own dime at that point that's a huge struggle like there's a lot of hard work that goes into building any company but especially that yes uh, well, the, the ways we, the two ways we lucked out is in my sojourn as a pro dom, I made we made friends with a lot of other pro doms, and by this time clips were sales going, and all those pro doms needed clips, so we were like, hey, well, do you want to do like a content share thing? So we had free talent, and then we were going to 
rent cameras and stuff from our previous short film collective. And we actually thought that we were going to use the short film collective to work on the adult stuff. Hmm. And, and this, was, this was kind of the, the first indication of what people thought about porn because we thought, well, this is great. We can, like, there's like people who are literally starving in this group who are like unemployed and eating ramen. We can hire them as camera people. We actually have a budget. And this will be fabulous. Yeah. And we found that they were horrified that we were doing porn. They actually had a secret group meeting about this without us. And the the upside of that was that they actually let us use the cameras for free because they did not want to accept any dirty porn money. Oh, God. So we got to have free cameras for two years. <laughs> well, you're like, well... Okay, well, fine, we'll keep our dirty porn money. Thanks for the camera. To not eat ramen like you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and P.S., you know, like a couple of people from the group have actually gone on to, to be really successful, but most of them still have nine to five jobs. Mm-hmm. And we don't, so ha. Yeah, so ha. Yeah. That's great, though. That's great. And yeah, I mean, at that point, it is like, well, <laughs> you can deal with that, with how you feel about that, and we're just going to keep going. Yep. Uh, Thanks for the free camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> you just enabled us to do even more work. Woo. Well, obviously, you guys have grown a ton, a ton since since then. Does d- So has it changed your relationship working as business partners with your husband at all? Or how has that been? Or your partner? Um, I think it's really... I mean, we still have a really great relationship. We're going to be together forever. I think it's been the business side of this has been a really steep learning curve because it's not our natural, mm-hmm. like we're not naturally good salespeople and we're not, we're kind of organized, but not really. Um, so kind of developing business systems that would enable our company to grow has probably been the biggest challenge. Right. Um, you know, thankfully we finally found we finally have an assistant who comes in like one or two days a week and she's a former fetish model who is kind of like a little bit OCD so she like loves spreadsheets and organizing things (laughs) so we just love her and you know like she's kind of helping us kind of build some of that stuff in there but I realized that for, for us to become a bigger company we really need to do kind of less like the working in bed in our jammies and oh whatever we're just going to do stuff that's fun today that I feel like editing I'm going to do that like we really need to have more structure in our lives and that's kind of been the main thing that we've been really focusing on especially now that we have a website that needs weekly updates and we have a big DVD distributor where you know you need to know what you're doing two months ahead of time and you need to have the photos for the cover and the cover in a month then like a week ahead of time and like mm-hmm. everything is very very structured so that's probably been the big adjusting to that has been and kind of being real grown-ups and real business owners has been the biggest challenge for us yeah. um i i watch like all those all those business improvement shows like the profit like i watch all that stuff like okay how can we apply the things that i'm seeing here to our business yeah yeah that's a great idea you know? Yeah, that's hard work. It's definitely hard work, especially when something keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing. Like, yes. 
yeah you're just like okay <laughs> what yeah. are we doing but yes. i do have a theory that all organized people and successful people still i think everybody is like okay <laughs> like how did i get in charge of so much stuff what, what am i doing here yes so that's i mean it's it's exciting though and i i'd be interested to see like now with with all of these membership sites you know i always ask both directors and producers and performers like how you know hopefully people are going to start moving from watching porn clips on tube sites to really joining i know that there's obviously a demographic that's already just joining membership sites and doing that but like what do you think about how how people use tube sites and membership sites differently and like do you have a specific strategy for getting people to migrate that way or are you just like okay this is what we do the right people will find us and just want to pay to be a part of this well there's two factors first of all i think we are in a, at an advantage over people who do vanilla porn mm -hmm. because okay if you just want to see two people fucking it's really easy to go to a tube site and get like okay those are hot people they're fucking bam right. i get my thing okay if you want a scene that involves like spanking and flogging and finally ends up with a femdom strap-on scene it's not going to be that easy for you to find just that on a tube site. You're going to have to really spend time searching. Mm -hmm. And then what you're going to get is probably going to like really not be good, you know, good production quality. So I think the fetish fans are more likely to, you know, go to a membership site because that way they know they're going to get what they want to get off on. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the other, there's actually been some research on this, and the people there, basically 50% of people will never pay for porn, and the other 50% like the convenience, and those tend to be somewhat older, they tend to be married, like if you're a kinky guy in a vanilla relationship that you really want to get off, um, you've got like the half hour between like the time that your wife is like the your wife and you put the kids to bed and you have like a half an hour in your home office and you really want to jerk off to something that's going to get you off you're not going to go to a tube site with the hopes you're going to go to a membership site where you know you like their stuff you're going to see what's new you're going to go to something or you're going to go to a clip clips for sale store that you like that you know that they got stuff you like you know, you're gonna go. Okay, twelve ninety nine. I'm gonna spend it on that, and I got my thing. Yeah. So we rather than try to really chase the tube site audience, um, we we're trying to more zero in on those people, on on the paying customer people who like fetishy things, and also the ones who who appreciate good production quality, um, which is a lot of like our clips or sales stores that say pretty much. Like thirty to forty percent of our sales are from Europe. Um, yeah. Were they were they like good lighting and like nice sets and stuff? Like some people don't give a shit about that stuff, but some people do. They like things that kind of look like a real movie, except it's porn. Right. Right. Um, and and those are like ours. So we try to cultivate those people and not worry so much about the the giant group of people who will always be on tube sites. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you're right that fetishes or fetishists have have a just a different obviously different interest and in you're not going to find that on like uh Pornhub stuff like that you're just looking yes. for okay I want to watch a blowjob or I want to watch you know this kind exactly. of thing this kind of thing I think the only the only thing I find interesting being 
a relatively young person, a lot of my peers are using tube sites, you know. And the thing that I have found the most working in the adult industry is that you're exposed to good porn. <laughs> and most of that is really on membership sites. You know, when we talk about things like sexism and we talk about things like you know kind of embracing certain kinky aspects of your personality that you might have been previously ashamed to ashamed to really like explore it's just it's not stuff that people are finding while they're forming these ideas about porn so i find it interesting you know sometimes people will be like when you hear like emma watson in the news being like oh they should have a feminist alternative to porn and it's like no it's there yeah. <laughs> it's just it's not on it's not on x hamster maybe you know and so it's exactly. There's like a giant community in San Francisco that does feminist porn, like yeah, ad series and all those people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, I think on the flip side, though, the cool stuff that's been happening is you see, like Erica Lust, for example, has had her her porn recently featured at a few different regular film festivals, <laughs> which yeah. I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome too, and that's something that that I would love to do. Mm-hmm. You know, future. Um, We've been we've been in Cinekink twice, and that's been like a cool experience. But I would really like to kind of explore that and kind of do yeah, maybe yeah. Some, you know, it's at some point when this company's kind of more established and running, and and we have somewhat more help because we are like you know we could really use some more employees. But right now, it's kind of not financially feasible if we're going to make a profit. Right. You know, I'd, I'd really like to go kind of further in that and and kind of make some things that kind of bridge that gap. Where it's kind of like a hard R to a soft NC seventeen, kind of with Jackie St. James. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Like her, Love her, her. Uh, Showtime, her Showtime series submission, mm-hmm. um, that kind of things. I I do think that that line is blurring there, which I think is great. Yeah. So so that's definitely something I'm interested in doing. You know, in the future, that would be awesome. That'd be awesome, and I, I do. I, I think you know. Interestingly, too, I, I noticed that sentiment around porn was beginning to shift. You know, slowly but beginning. Yes. When I would, I started to read interviews of by porn stars in like BuzzFeed. You know, they'd be yes. like, and that's like such a cool way to bring. I think people, especially uh, the younger demographic, to some of the more niche, some of the more fetish content is like. You know, like, it would not surprise me at all if I saw you in BuzzFeed next week and it was like, D. Severe talks about, you know, like, how to, like, start experimenting with BDSM in your sex life. Like, that is so cool, you know, that you can you can find that now. Whereas before, it was just, like you said, dirty, dirty porn money, dirty porn, you know, content. Yes. And I've seen it on, like, like I've seen Cosmo and Glamour have some pretty mm-hmm. kind of pro, pro-porn you know, here are some sex tips from porn stars kind of articles, which yeah. I think is great. I'm like, that's so much better than previous content, from especially yeah. places like Cosmo, which before was like, stick frozen quarters to your labia. Now it's like, okay, we're going to talk to people yes. who are doing this professionally for good tips, you know? So, I mean, my hopes are that that continues and it, it blurs more and people start to see that, like, content is, is, is like, it's so much different once you really dive into it and you're not just like secretly like in an incognito window pulling up whatever tube site yes and and the good information is especially important with bdsm because one of the interesting thing ever since 50 shades of gray came out the number of 911 calls that are related to bdsm accidents has statistically gone up which means there's a ton of people out there who are just like going like ooh that was hot i want to do this they lack the clue and <laughs> yeah. they're getting really weird. 
Mm -hmm. um, which is why one of our um, continuing series is Kink School, where we kind of really show like right beginning, like, okay, this is rope. This is how you use it safely. <laughs> like really basic, you know, really basic instruction um, on how to do things properly and safely. And that's something we're going to continue in our, our website. We're going to have um, bi-monthly kind of little demo updates on things like, hey, you can use plastic wrap to do bondage and here's how you do it safely and well and we're going to do like these little 15 minute clips that are just like plain demos mm -hmm. and, and for our members because I think that's you know that's really important because there's a lot of it makes me crazy when I see bad advice like hey just use a scarf it'll be fine um, if, yeah. you if you tie up somebody's hands and they stay tied up too long you can cause their hands to have permanent nerve damage that's not good so <laughs> You know, like just people knowing things like, you know, you need to have safety scissors, you, ne you need to use material that you can easily get off. You know, if you're a total beginner, you should be using cuffs with a buckle. Like don't get, you know, don't do fancy rope bondage and then like leave somebody there and like not check on them. There's just mm -hmm. like so many safety things that people who are exploring that need to know. Right, right. So, yeah. That's good. One thing I'd be interested to get your take on, when I was interviewing Jackie St. James once, uh, speaking of her, she mm -hmm. was saying something along the lines of, like, a lot of people uh, are, lead vanilla sex lives without really knowing that they have kinkier sides, because instead of it necessarily being just, like, there are kinky people who know they're kinky and there are vanilla people, like, a lot of people are afraid to explore these corners of their minds to find out what their individual right. kinks are. I guess, do you have any advice for people who, too, are not don't know what their kinks are or like are a little bit nervous, a little bit iffy about starting to explore certain things about getting started and being like, okay, there's a lot more to sex maybe than I know and a lot more to my sexuality than I know about. Well, I think as, as much as I think it's an abominably written book, I do think that 50 shades did the world a great favor mm -hmm. because it really helped mainstream those ideas where people you know, where people kind of were, I think, like, you know, as much as, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was, like, a lot more shame and secrecy connected with it. Yeah. Um, whereas now, people, I think it really helped people kind of open themselves up. I guess my main advice is, like, it's kind of like, don't jump into the deep end first. First of all, you know, watch some porn. You mm -hmm. know, like, explore around, like, our site or... You know, and there's other good sites too, you know, like Wasteland yeah. and, and People's Clips, like People's Clips for Sales Stores. You know, kind of tootle around and kind of see what really gets you off mm -hmm. and kind of just let your mind look at that and, and let your, I mean, your body, your body knows what's hot. It's kind yeah, of like, yeah. you know, like your body is not politically correct. It's like either you get a hard on or get wet or you don't. Right. You know, so you can really tell like, okay, this is doing it for me. This isn't doing it for me. Yeah. And then when you get to the point where you kind of have an idea of, okay, these are kind of the things that are getting me off, then take the next step and see how you can safely and in a good way and an exciting way kind of incorporate those in your real sex life, either with your current partner or, you know, safely go out and find somebody find a new playmate who also shares those things. Yeah. Um, it's all, um, like our last two, our last two DVD, King School DVDs were Tips from a Dominatrix and Tips from a Master. Mm -hmm. And basically it's like really long 
interviews with with both pro and lifestyle doms of both genders about exactly how to do that right um, you know how to find a playmate um that that will not you know how to keep yourself out of dangerous situations when finding a playmate you know how to communicate with them and negotiate with them so you can do you know a I think if people get into it too quickly and they don't know what they're doing, they're liable to have a really bad experience and then that kind of fucks up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, be kind of, kind of just do it gently and gradually, you know, don't, don't just, you know, don't, don't jump into the deep end of the pool, kind of yeah. wade in. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's interesting. I feel like just when I'm talking to people in my personal life, a lot of couples are interested in trying out kinkier things but together like they have open minds to it and they understand like oh there's some cool stuff out there that we've never tried but they don't always know where to start because they're like we've just been having vanilla sex we don't know what to do (laughs) so i think that's good advice is for people to start playing around waiting around see what they're into well, one of the other great things, it, I, I understand that couples watching porn together as foreplay, for vanilla people too, it's kind of a growing trend. Mm-hmm. It's like, especially if, you wanna, if you've got a hectic life and you kind of want to get yourselves like out of your daily lives and into the mood, you know, I just hang out, watch porn for a while, and then you kind of get into it, and then you start making out, and then you kind of forget about the porn because you're already into it. Right. Um, and... You know, you can do that with, um, you know, you can do that with kinky stuff or or non-kinky stuff. But I think for kinky stuff, it's particularly like a good way to do it is to watch it and go like, is this doing it for you? It's like not so much with that other thing that happened. Um, And P.S. I I think this is a good time to mention that our website has a Roku channel. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, so we, if you want to watch our stuff on the big screen, which I think is good for couples rather than having like a laptop or a yeah, or yeah. on the bed, um, I think it's like a lot more convenient. You can certainly do that with our Roku channel, which I think is so awesome. That's like such a great, and you're, and I, it not only is it good for couples, it is another reflection of like how porn is becoming something that people are just like, yeah, everybody watches porn. Like I have porn on my Roku, you know, like, <laughs> which is just so cool. Yeah, watching yes. porn together. I feel like, you know, on an individual level, people, like you said, learn about their kinks via porn. So I I have experienced in my own life that sometimes, like, my things that I might find independently, like, really hot, like, it'll surprise me what else I find hot if I'm watching it with my significant other, you know? It's like, oh, when we're together watching this, this is more or less hot than by myself. Yes. Oh, and a PS on that. I think there are some things that people find hot in porn, and especially kinky porn, that they would not necessarily find hot experiencing in their real life. So it's like when you get more into it, you kind of need to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's like, as an example, I'm, I'm like really super jaded because I've been in this for 10 years and I've seen everything. So like as a consumer, I like kind of more extreme stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I really think that um, kink.com's public disgrace is a hot site, but like as a woman, especially since I'm like a dom, I would never want to do that. Yeah, right. would, not in real life. <laughs> not in any way, shape, or form want to do anything like that in real life, but watching it is super hot. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, like when you're getting into the more extreme things, you know, like be, be, before you try to put that into your real life, Think about kind of like what could go wrong 
and how this would actually feel in real life as opposed to as a fantasy. Like, I think some fantasies should just be fantasies, and they're awesome as fantasies. You can really get off on them, but it would probably kind of ruin them if you try to actually do them. Yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) I tend to think of porn and and actual sex as kind of like a Venn diagram, where there's like... The middle is like stuff you find hot to watch and mm-hmm. stuff you find hot to do, and then there's That's stuff. Perfect. Yeah, I love that. Which is kind of that. the bridge. Like I think one of the most irritating arguments in mainstream culture is that like porn is bad and it's like replacing actual sexuality in your life. And it's like no, there's absolutely a connection. <laughs> like it doesn't. Yeah. I think it's, it's it's actually I think I read someplace else, but actually most couples who watch porn together say it improves their communication and improves their sex life. Absolutely. It's generally been it's been the the funniest one was like some years back Oprah did a show on women watching porn and it was clear that the whole show was set up so that Oprah could get like girls going, Oh, it was so degrading and I can't believe my husband wants to do this. So they you know, like it was really set up with that. And then she started asking people in the audience and all these like like these kind of like nice kind of middle aged typical like women were were you know were saying like oh no it was really hot it's I you know I've been married for twenty five years and it really spiced up my my sex life we love porn and Oprah's face was like ah I'm not getting the answers I want this, <laughs> this is getting away from me like just about all the all the responses she got were like positive like yeah we really enjoy the porn. So that was funny. Yeah, well, it is like in terms of I can remember (laughs) the first time I enjoyed something in my real life that like I probably or that had the the mainstream notion of being degrading, you know, and of course, a lot of that is in depending on who's administering it to you. Like if somebody who loves you the first time you do it, you're like, okay, so this is probably not. But I remember there's like there's a there's an internal conflict initially because you're like what does that mean (laughs) that i liked that you know it's it's but that's just the human brain for you it's crazy but but that and that's fine yeah yeah but it is yeah and and again just when when you're getting into more extreme stuff like the the basis of bdsm is trust like if you're getting more more into extreme stuff you need to make sure you really trust your partner Mm-hmm. You know, and and not because as much as they're like the BDSM community is really cool, and most of the people in it are really cool. You know, there are some people in it who are abusive jerks, and you got to avoid them because if you get involved with them, that can be a really bad experience. Yeah. So it's like another thing where you kind of need to kind of, especially if you want to do heavier stuff that could really turn dangerous if you're with the wrong person. You kind of need to kind of you know get you know join like threshold in LA or there's like other organizations you know throughout throughout the world um if you're like a lifestyle player kind of get references on people you know like kind of ask around about guys and people will tell you you know like like don't kind of don't do it in a vacuum like the the way that I did it where I was just kind of like you know doing like newspaper ads and stuff is not, not the ideal way to do it I would not recommend that to to anybody I just didn't know any better mm-hmm. um, it's much better to kind of become part of the BDSN community and then you can see what's what and who are the good people and who are the bad people and you know pick your pick your play partner to explore these things with in, intelligently and find someone you can really trust 
Gotcha. Well, and how would you, for people, I guess we'll start off by saying mostly, I know these happen in a lot of cities, but in big cities, like how would you recommend people who are interested in joining a kink community find it? You know, pretty much just Google. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, there's one, there is a, you know, like I said, LA has threshold. I can't remember what the one in New York is called, the Eugenspiegel Society or something, and there's Black Rose in Washington, D.C. Pretty much every major city has one. Mm -hmm. Um, So Google around you will find one. And one of the things a lot of the the lifestyle organizations do is have munches, which is basically people, they're not all dressed, decked out in all their fetish gear. They're just like like normal people. They meet at like a just like a regular coffee shop kind of restaurant. And they just hang out and talk. Mm -hmm. And that's a good way to... That's a good way to kind of, you know, get introduced to people. You make a couple of friends. You go to a couple of those. Then probably your organization is going to have some classes, which are really recommended. You know, like like go to the class, learn some skills. You know, and then they also have play parties. So, like, once you kind of get acquainted with your group and you like your little group, you know, go to a play party, you know, see what's going on, see if you meet people up there. You know, maybe the first time you play with somebody, you know, you play with them at a play party, not go to their hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's other people around. So it's like there's more of a sense of kind of safety. So if you've gone to that point and, you know, you you enjoyed your play experience with them, then you can kind of go like, okay, okay we like each other. Let's kind of have a real play date away from others and we can, you know, we can have more private fun. That's super cool. I, you know, I, it's funny because, like, like you said, Fifty Shades of Grey opened up so much of the kink community to people. But I think there are a lot of like couples and singles who don't realize that they have the option of doing that when their sex life gets stale. <laughs> like, okay, let's try some stuff. Exactly. Exactly. P.S. Fifty Shades. That relationship is super dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Both of those people. What's the main thing that's wrong with them is that they're ashamed of being kinky and they need to get over that. Like if they had, if they just did kind of what I just said, which is like join the organization and like kind of go to some play parties and kind of relax about it, they would be fine. The reason why that relationship is fucked up is they're both kind of like all like tense and weird about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that part, of, you know, as a matter of fact, when our last year we did a, a lesbian version of Fifty Shades of Grey where we fixed the ending, um, Ms. Grey, that I co-directed with Lily Cade, and in in our version. At the end, she still leaves Ms. Gray, but not because of the whole kinky thing, but because Ms. Gray's an asshole who cheats on her, and then at the end, she finds another like nicer kinky partner. Oh, that's great. Um, so it's like, it's not, I, I felt like Fifty Shades demonized, to a certain extent, demonized kink, which was the bad part. Right. Like, which was my objection to it, despite the fact that it really did mainstream it, so that was the good part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good point. That's a very good point. It's they they have an emotionally abusive relationship. Yes. So <laughs> that's not what you want. <laughs> yes, and you you also don't you just don't take some naive vanilla girl and just like plunge her into like you know okay you're gonna be my slave and live in this room. Nobody does that. Yeah, that's not how that works. It's called that kidnapping, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not how this works. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it perpetuates the whole like unfortunately the the kind of male culture of like oh she secretly likes it like no you'll know if she likes it yes she will yeah so yeah but i'll ask you just a couple more questions before we wrap up here as far as fetishes go specific fetishes do you have a favorite thing to shoot um 
the couple of things that I like personally, um, I really love pegging or strap on, like femdon, femdon mm-hmm. strap on. Um, and I also like shooting the same thing with Les, like I've, Lily Cade, who's an awesome director, is kind of our guest director. She did Heartbreaker versus Obscura, which um, uh, screened at Cinekink this year and that we're hoping to get nominations for. So since we've been working with Lily, we've been doing a lot of kind of rough, kinky lesbian BDSM, which is really fun. Um, I personally love spanking. I'm pretty much retired as a performer, but I occasionally like to come out as like the strict boss or school marm and like just spank the crap out of miscreants. <laughs> um, that's probably like my like that that kind of role play thing that has like a humil- humiliation aspect and like a spanking aspect I really love um, I also I, I really love in terms of um, other fetishes um, <laughs> Jimmy is a, is also a performer for other companies and he's kind of the cuckold everybody's husband mm-hmm. so he's kind of an expert in that so we love shooting cuckold um, I th- think the thing that I love the best which I only get to do once or twice a year because it's way more expensive is I like to do features that are pretty much like a regular indie movie except that has a lot of kinky sex in it that's that's my all time favorite but that's a much more complex procedure so yeah, you know we can't sense. do it every month like our last one was Kinky Fantasy Club which was um, basically these four guys have, have are having arguments and problems with their women so they go to a strip club and they're rude to the bartender so the bartender gives them a very special drink that makes them hallucinate and have these really weird fantasies that kind of relate to their problems like the jerk guys get really scary fantasies with femdoms and kind of the nice guys get more pleasant fantasies oh cool and then they end up, and then they end up in a heap in the back of the bar <laughs> what happened the next morning but that that was like my favorite movie to do but you know, those take a they they take excuse me they take a couple of months to edit, and it's they're much more expensive. So we can only do that like once or twice a year. Gotcha. So, I mean, I've watched I think just a little bit of uh, Kinky Fight Club, and it's awesome. I'll post a link in our show notes for that. But that makes sense. Yeah, it's like a movie with the good parts still in there. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a really good trailer to it if you want that. Oh yeah, I post a trailer for sure. So people can familiarize themselves with it. Yes. Oh, one question <laughs> that's yes. that's that's uh, that I've talked to not in in an audible interview before with with porn uh, performers and directors that a lot of people out in the real world don't um don't know the answer to is are porn fluffers real? Mm, I do not use porn fl- fluffers. Um, basically. Even though our we have a plant that we use on many of our sets, whose name is Fluffer, and he has his own Twitter account, and he puts <laughs> pictures of himself in scenes and with cute girls. So if you want a laugh, follow Porn Plant on Twitter. But um, no, in my experience, most most sets, their person's partner fluffs them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're they're kind of an asshole and their partner is not getting along with them, and doesn't want to fluff them, they self fluff. And I know some guys use pills, but I'm not really a fan. You know, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Because um, in in part, on a practical level, if pills get you hard, sometimes it makes it really, really hard for them to come. Mm-hmm. So while getting the action part, uh, getting the cum shot takes like forever. <laughs> <And> you're like, 
yeah, it's, you know, so it's like, it just is like, it's like, okay, it's been 20 minutes of jerking off. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to kill myself. But you have to be like, remain really like nice and positive. I'm like, hey, no problem. Take your time. Relax. It's all good. While you're going, I'm going to die. So, no, there are not really. Like people I, hired as fluffers? There might have been some in the 80s, but, but in, in my experience, no, there are no fluffers. Gotcha. Except for plant. <laughs> Yeah, except for except for the plant, which is the only one we should care about in this situation anyway. Everybody else takes care <laughs> <Exactly>. of each other. <laughs> exactly. That's like something that's treated a lot as urban legend. Like, are there really people hired as fluffers? <laughs> no. Yeah. Glad to glad to dispute that. It's in um Fallout Four, I believe. Like one of uh, the like care one of the professions you can pick is a fluffer. Uh video game stuff. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or promote before we sign off here? Um, just visit our new fabulous website, SevereSexFilms.com. Um, and that gives you access to all of our material. And follow us on Twitter. We have various Twitters. We have um, mine is Severe Society. My partner Jimmy's is Fetish Director. Um, our adorable rescued little pit bull Clyde is um, little dude Clyde and the the diva star of many of our movies is Porn Plant Porn Plant <laughs> <laughs> Awesome Well, I'll, no, I'll uh, tweet about this after we sign off too I'll make sure that I, I uh, tweet at Porn Plant Okay <laughs> But awesome well, well we'll get signed off here um, everybody will should follow D on Twitter and everywhere else and I'll post all of the links you just mentioned in our show notes as well both sure. both in uh, iTunes and on our website so definitely check that out we are super glad that you took the time to talk to us today and we're really excited about your website 